0: The following program is paid for by Absolute Mortgage, a division of Finance of America Mortgage LLC, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS 1071, AZBK 0910184. Tina Mitchell, MLO 145420, is a licensed loan originator with Absolute Mortgage. Visit absoluteloans.com or call 888-90-HOMES for cost information. You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, sponsored by Absolute Mortgage, a division of Finance of America Mortgage. Now in the studio, local mortgage and finance expert, Tina Mitchell.
1: Welcome to the Money Hour at 1150 AM, KKNW, the Saturday, April 16th show. I am your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell. It's a great day to talk money, and that's why I'm here with you and what the show is all about, how to make money, save money, and build a better quality of life for you and your family. Isn't that what it's all about? If you're hearing my show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast, but to answer, ask any questions or talk directly with my guest, you can call the show at 1-855-411-50. Again, that's one 855 855 400 or online at themoneyhour.com. And the lineup for the show today: regular contributor of the show, Andy Landis, known author, speaker, and my go-to guy on everything: Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid. Last call for a file and suspend. Strategy. Anytime there's sensitive timelines, Andy's always here to share it with myself and my listeners. Also in studio, another regular contributor. To my show is Lori Way with Cold War Banker Bain Real Estate Contingencies. We're going to break down what they are and what it means to waive these contingencies so you can be competitive in today's real estate environment. And last guest in studio, first time visiting me is Dave Wilson with St- uh, Staging and Designs Network. Are you a tour that offers staging? How do you manage your logistics and storing and managing of moving those home furnishings um, from staging to design project? Well, if you don't know, I've got a resource for you right here. Great information and great guests in studio. For more information on any topics discussed, please call the show at 1-855-411-50. Again, that's 1-855-411-50 or online at themoneyhour.com. And let's start out the show today with a little money chat. Money. Money. why should you purchase a home? Let's talk about the benefits of real estate today because it is a crazy market out there and a little frustrating for any of the buyers that might be listening to the show today. But my advice to you is don't give up. Why should you buy a home? Because real estate is like no other investment. So let's just go through a couple points of benefit of homeownership. Number one, pride of ownership. Ownership is still American dream and live and enjoy it, not just The piece of paper, but the actual property that you're going to be owning. Real estate's the only investment that you don't have a choice to participate in. You've got an option. You either purchase or your only other option is to rent. And rent increases with inflation. Let's just say $1,500 a month at a 3% over 30 years. So over $850,000 versus your mortgage is fixed. If you're on a 30-year fixed-rate mortgage, it is a fixed rate. The only adjustments that can be made is based on taxes and insurance. Uh, rent, no payment end in sight mortgage, it's going to be paid off in 30 years. So I think the risk really for renters is whether they can keep up with the appreciation, especially with everything that's been happening in our rental market. Now, equity is another benefit of homeownership. On a $300,000 loan at 3.25% over over $500 uh, for the first month of that goes towards principal. So I think a lot of people tend to forget about the amount of the mortgage payment that actually is applying towards principal. So again, on a $300,000 loan, $500 that payment in the first month at three and a quarter percent, that's going, a home bank account is what I call it. You don't have access to that money unless you're selling your home or you're doing an equity line of credit, but it's money that's there. On top of that, the appreciation in your property. Now, I like to look at appreciation as just an added bonus. So if you were to ask me if I would purchase a real estate property, if I felt appreciation was not going to be there, my answer, if it was an owner-occupied property, would be yes, because of the alternative. So I look at appreciation as just an added benefit. If you look at historically, you've got an opportunity to have your home appreciate maybe 4 or 5% a year. Now government pays you back for owning a home. What other investment do they actually give you money and a benefit to own uh, own something? Real estate, they do that. Why do they do that? Is because it strengthens our economy. The more homeowners that we have, the stronger our economy is. So the government is protecting that. How do they do that? They do it based on the deduction or your tax benefit for owning a home. You get to write off all your interest, Property taxes and mortgage insurance, and that's why if you're a renter, a lot of times you'll hear your CPA uh, advisor telling you need to you need to go out and buy a property. Why? Because you need that deduction. Fifteen hundred dollar rent payment could be close to an eighteen hundred dollar a month in a mortgage payment, based on the tax benefit of homeownership. Now, for those of you that are renting out there thinking, well, if I was writing a check out for $1,500 and now you're saying writing out a check for $1,800 would be the same, how does that work? It's $300 a month, cash flow more. It is. But what you need to do is consult with your licensed CPA, find out how to amend your W-4 with your employer, increase your withholdings so that you can net and take that money home on a monthly basis rather than waiting at the end of the year to see the benefit in, in less income taxes. I don't know about you, but I don't like paying interest on to the government on my money so see that money up front and then have it net out as well now any of my first-time homebuyers listening to the program you've might have heard me talk before about uh, tax credits that are available there is a tax credit that's available for first-time homebuyers if you meet the uh, the restrictions for qualifying for it it's a 20 percent tax credit on all the interest you pay on your mortgage for the life of the loan dollar for dollar add that on top of your deduction, it starts to get really sweet when we look at the numbers. Now, uh, capital gains exclusion. If you have lived in your home for two years of the past five years, you can exclude up to 250,000 for individual, a half a million, $500,000 for married couple of the profit from capital gains. What other investment can you do that? Now, you don't have to reinvest the money into real estate. Now, here's what a lot of people don't even know, that there is no age restriction on the capital gain exclusion. So what that means is that you can take the exclusion... Every two years, which means that you can sell every two years and pocket your profit. Now, you may have not known that, but again, it's 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 a great way to be able to save and shelter the money that you would pay on those capital gains. Now, you can also get creative with rental properties. If you plan on selling your rental property, maybe get strategic and move back in your rental property for two years so that when you're selling it, you're not having to pay the capital gain. A lot of times you may see contractors actually do this when they're building a home. You build a home live in the home for two years. See how this kind of all works. Understanding the tax law can save you a lot of money. And that's what the show is really all about is talking about bringing in the experts in that can help you in all areas regarding your financing. Now, equity loans. Um, You can borrow equity uh, versus using credit cards. So when you build equity into your property, uh, utilizing that equity that you have to take it out to purchase things that you would otherwise have to pay um, uh, maybe higher interest rates on, you can possibly get a tax write-off depending on what you're using that money for. So you need to talk to a tax advisor about that. You just need to be careful. You don't want to draw money out on your home. Rack up additional debt and then go and get more funds because that's where people can get in trouble. but you've got the option to use that money. Now, uh, not to buy. so these are the just a few benefits of homeownership, but let's talk about if you're not buying or when it may not make sense for you to buy. If you're not staying in the area for a long term, maybe you're reconsidering whether purchasing is right for you because we don't know what the real estate property is going, what the real estate appreciation is going to do. But if you plan on being a homeowner long term in the foreseeable future, Does it really matter what the real estate market is going to do in the future? It does if you're forced to sell your property. So if you bought in right before the financial crisis in 2008, and did you lose money if you kept that property? What's happening to your property right now? it's making a lot of money. You're seeing that appreciation come back. So did you lose? No, only if you're forced to sell. Now even if you are selling in a down down market, as long as you're not moving up, you can still win. It's never a seller and a buyer's market at the same time. So would you rather sell and buy in a buyer's market or in a seller's market? Well, it depends if you're buying up. So when the market crashed, and if you assumed a 20% loss in your value, your $500,000 home dropped to 400,000. You lost 100 grand when you sold that property. But what about The move up purchase that you made at the same time that home also dropped at the same percentage let's say 20 percent so if the home was valued at 700,000 the market dropped that home dropped to 560 so you gained 40,000 dollars in that purchase so the net difference or you gained 140,000 dollars so the net difference was 40,000 dollars the difference between the sell and the game not so bad there's a gain and a loss in every market if you're choosing to buy and sell in every market. So don't worry about what the real estate appreciation is going to do. Get into the market. Start building that appreciation. Be strategic on when you're selling properties or what you're doing with that. And just know what the alternative is. The alternative, again, is if you don't own a home, you're going to be renting. That's the money chat for today. And coming up next in the Money Hour, once again, he's here for us. Last call for file and suspend strategy. Andy Landis, nationally known author, speaker, my personal go-to guy on everything social security. Medicare and Medicaid, right here on 1150 AM KKNW after this short break.
0: You bought it, but do you know how it works? We're talking Social Security, the biggest mystery in your financial blueprint. Now move from mystery to mastery with the new book, Social Security, The Inside Story. Author Andy
2: Landis has helped thousands of people just like you master Social Security. Hi, this is Andy Landis. You can learn more at my website. Go to www.andylandis.biz. That's andylandis.biz. Unexpected reactions to smart financial decisions brought to you by FeedThePig.org.
1: Well, I finally did it. I opened a 401k.
3: So you're giving up, just like that?
1: Giving up on what?
3: I'm getting an inheritance from a distant relative.
4: Debt? You
0: watch your mouth. Retirement shouldn't be a goal for us. It should be a way of life. When it comes to financial stability, don't get left behind. Get tools and tips for saving at feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. You're listening to the Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell sponsored by Absolute Mortgage, a division of Pinnacle Capital Mortgage Corporation. Now, in the studio, local mortgage and finance expert, Tina Mitchell.
1: Well, Welcome back to The Money Hour with your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell, right here at 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, April 16th show. I'm here to help you build a strong financial blueprint. One show and one week at a time. If you're hearing my show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast, but you can always call the show at 1-855-411-50. Again, the show number 1-855-411-50 or online at themoneyr.com. In studio right now, Andy Landis, nationally known author, speaker, Again, my go to guy on everything social security, Medicare, and Medicaid. And we're gonna talk about the last call for file suspend strategy. And you know what I really love, Andy, having you in the show is you're always coming in right at the right time to make sure my listeners are prepared for everything that they need to do and know in your arena. So thanks for coming back and uh, Thank you. Great to, to be
2: here. And we are just in time for file and suspend. Yeah.
1: We are just in time last for last call. A little bit of background about Andy. Andy is uh, one of the nation's foremost authorities on Social Security, Medicare and Medicaid and in high demand. He's an author, speaker and consultant. And he has Social Security experience spanning 37 years gained while working at Social Security Administration, AARP, uh, multinational corporations like Boeing and his own practice thinking retirement. He is the author of the book Social Security The Inside Story and he's got a copy of his book right here and When I Retire, both of av- Available on Amazon, I highly encourage you uh, to go get those if you're interested in anything regarding Social Security. He is a regular blogger for the Wall Street Journal Market Watch site. On TV, he's been appeared on Fox Business News and PBS, and is a frequent guest. On radio, one, my show just being one of many. Right here. Right here. Yeah. And he travels in the United States making sense of Social Security. He has worked with pre-retirees and retirees for 38 years, his first Social Security, and then at Boeing, um, as I've, I discussed. And he gets raving reviews from the public and financial professions because of his, uh, how he makes Social Security fun. And you are clear and fun when you share your message.
2: At my best, I guess. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, Andy, let's go ahead and start out with uh, file and suspend. What is it?
2: Okay, that's what I've called zombie Social Security in the past. And it's pretty simple it's a tactic or strategy to increase your Social Security payout, especially if you're married. It can be pretty powerful.
1: So, why is the last call for file and suspend? Because Congress did something
2: last November. They did, yeah. Last November, Congress passed the Bipartisan Budget Act. And that stripped away most of the advantages of file and suspend. And as far as the deadline goes, it's the last call because the deadline is April 30. The new rules take effect. And we it's kind of right in our face now. So.
1: Yeah, per- perfect timing. So, um, Andy, how, how does uh, file and suspend work under the old rules?
2: Ah, the better rules, the old rules. Yeah, let's say I file for Social Security at 66, but I can suspend my payments mm-hmm. at the same time, file and suspend. And that gives me three rewards. One, my payments increase while they're suspended, and they can go up 32% between 66 and 70, which is pretty cool. Second, my spouse and even my children can draw Social Security on my work record even while it's suspended. And third, at any time up to 70, I could go back and change my mind and say, give me the money that I suspended after all, and they'd pay me in a lump sum. So three rewards for doing that. Um, doesn't work for everybody, but mm-hmm. for a lot of people, it can mean extra money in their pocket.
1: So, Andy, let's go ahead and uh, roll right over to the new rules.
2: Okay, under the new rules, anybody that requests file and suspend after April 29, so mm-hmm. starting April 30, you can still suspend your payments, but you only get the first of the three rewards. Your payments do increase while they're suspended. But any family members getting paid on your work record, their payments stop too. It's like throwing off the master power switch on a house. Everybody on that circuit gets shut off. And I can't go back and collect those suspended payments if I change my mind. So they pretty much stripped it clean.
1: Okay, so Andy, is there anybody that qualifies for the old rules?
2: Yeah, and that's important. It's based on the date that you request that suspension. So you might be 67, 68, getting Social Security. If you request suspension before April 30, you're under the old rules, which are better. Okay. And even if you file, if you're already 66 by April 29, and you file for Social Security really fast here, you'd be under the old rules. So anybody that requests suspension even one day after April 29, you're under the new rules. And there's no spousal payments and no lump sum payouts.
1: So, again, timing is just crucial to understand what those those deadlines are. So, uh, Andy, can you give my listeners uh, an example?
2: Okay, let's start with the old rules. Let's take a couple, call them Paul and Ruth, like the old Lassie show. Uh, Paul's Social Security, let's say, is 900 Gina, what do you think? Should we make Ruth the principal earner in this oh, family? Oh yeah, yeah. Definitely. I thought you'd say that. Okay. So <laughs> Ruth's Social Security, let's say, is two thousand. So his is nine hundred, hers is two thousand. At sixty-six, Ruth, the bigger earner, files and suspends, and that opens the door to Paul getting a thousand dollar spousal payment, which mm. is more than he would have gotten on his own. He would have gotten nine hundred on his own. And at seventy Ruth's payment starts up at $2,640. That's 132% of her old $2,000 payment. So they had that $1,000 payment coming in for the first four years. That's $48,000 mm-hmm. that they might have left on the table wow. if they didn't know about this. And it can be more than that. Under the new rules, Paul could not get that spousal payment while Jane's payments are suspended. All he could get was his own 900 Oh, and by the way, his payment was growing, too, if he did... Every possible strategy during those four years, his payment would grow to almost $1,200 while he's drawing the spousal payment. So there's all kinds of cool stuff you can do with that.
1: So, Andy, I I would imagine that it can get a little confusing with the, the rural change
2: driving me crazy, Tina.
1: <laughs> and it's driving you crazy. I'm sure it's driving a lot of people crazy.
2: <laughs> um, a lot of people are confused. Uh, I've been hearing from people who say, oh, there's no more spousal payments after April 29. That's not true. Mm-hmm. Or they'll they'll say, oh, I can't even file. I can't suspend payments whatsoever after April 29. Lots of confusion, partly because at the same time that Congress changed uh, uh, the suspension rules, they also changed some spousal rules. So everybody thinks April twenty nine is the deadline for everything, and it's not. It only applies to suspension requests.
1: So people can still suspend after the 29th, and is there a reason for them to do that?
2: Yes, and even financial advisors don't know that, that wow. you can still suspend, but you only get the first of the benefits, but there's okay. still some good uses for it. So I don't know. Here's a couple of examples. Let's take good old John and Marsha from the old radio shows, and let's say they started their Social Security a few years ago, they're getting their Social Security. And then at 67, let's say they come into some money. Mm-hmm. And it could be anything. Maybe they got a cool job, or maybe they got an inheritance, or they won the lottery, or whatever. They've got some more money. They don't need the Social Security right now. Well, they're 67 now. They could suspend their payments from 67 to 70, mm-hmm. and it's going to grow because they don't need it. Yep. And then at 70, their Social Security starts up. And if it was suspended for three years it's going to be 24 percent bigger for the rest of both of their lives so that's a bonus that's going to pay off for many years Um, here's another one that really blows the minds when i talk to financial advisors let's take a couple bob and betty with a teenager let's call her kathy and bob's social security is only a thousand a month so it's pretty low okay but at 62 bob retires and he draws his Social Security. Well, he took it early, so it's going to be reduced. He's only going to get 750 But that opens the door for the teenager, Kathy, to get a $500 payment until she's out of high school. So later, when Bob turns 66, Kathy has graduated from high school. Mm-hmm. She's not eligible anymore. But together, they've gotten $60,000 front-loaded into their Social Security okay. in those first four um. years. Again, they might have left that behind. Now, Bob never wanted that reduced payment, so what he does now is he suspends his payments from 66 to 70. Mm -hmm. They go up by 32%. His 750 turns into 990, which is basically what he would have gotten paid if he waited till 66. Yeah, So he's basically front-loaded $60,000 in his pocket while he had a child in the household, and he's wiped out the reduction for early filing. Okay. So that's a... That's perfectly legitimate under the new rules. Anybody could do it.
1: So, Andy, is there still time to get the the better old rules?
2: If you really hurry. And the problem is if you call Social Security today, they'll say, oh, we can talk to you in a month. Yeah. And that's going to be too late. So what I've been telling people is to go on to the Social Security website, ssa.gov, and file an online application if you're already 66. Go ahead and file online, and in remarks, write down that you want to suspend your payments. Or if you're already on Social Security, give them a call and say, please suspend my payments. So you can do it still.
1: Okay. Any any other resources, uh, Andy, you can share with my listeners? Yeah.
2: First, you got to know whether this is the right move for you. So mm-hmm. go on to an online calculator from a company called Financial Engines. It's already updated and it's free. Okay. So Google Financial Engines Social Security Calculator and run your numbers through it and see if they recommend uh, suspending. Okay. And there's just general information on my website. There's blogs, videos, uh, links to my book, Social Security, The Inside Story, all at my website. AndyLandis.biz. Landis.biz, B-I-Z.
1: Uh, as I close out my time here with you, Andy, any uh, last thoughts that you'd like to lo- leave with my listeners?
2: Yeah, a lot of people. Uh, first of all, Social Security is your biggest source of retirement income mm-hmm. for most people. And it pays to check it out. You don't just yeah. blindly go into it. Definitely put a little time into planning. Ask a few questions, learn a little bit, and maybe you could get tens of thousands of dollars more out of that system that you already paid for.
1: Got it. And, Andy, i got to ask you, can you still hear people say that Social Security is going away? How do you answer that?
2: It's not going to go away. Mm -hmm. Uh, If if Congress does nothing uh, until 2034, Social Security would have to suffer about a 20% pay cut. Okay. I think they're going to fix that. But Mm -hmm. even if they don't, that's That's a 20% pay cut. That's your worst case. Yeah. yeah. So that's 2034. You bet. Thank you.
1: And coming up next in the Money Hour, are you ready to compete in today's real estate environment? You need to be prepared to waive contingencies. What are they? What are your risk versus your benefits? Lori Way with Cold War Banker Bain right here on 1150 AM at KKNW after the short break.
0: You bought it, but do you know how it works? We're talking social security, the biggest mystery in your financial blueprint. Now move from mystery to mastery with the new book, Social Security, The Inside
2: Story. Author Andy Landis has helped thousands of people just like you master social security. Hi, this is Andy Landis. You can learn more at my website. Go to www.andylandis.biz. That's andylandis.biz.
4: Would it be crazy if you just stopped everything, packed your bags and left for a week, a month, a year? What if you left for two years? Would people think you'd lost your mind? What if you were going far away to help in a village on the edge of the Gobi Desert? A village crowded with Buddhist temples, not skyscrapers. A place where there isn't a word for recluse, but a thousand words for community. Would it be crazy to go 5,000 miles from home, to spend time with people the rest of the world only reads about, to build libraries and fill them with stories, prepare a meal with food you helped grow, to teach children and learn a thing or two about yourself? Would that be crazy? Peace Corps, life is calling. How far will you go? To find out more, Call 1 800 424 8580 or visit peacecorpsgovernor you
0: You're listening to the Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell. Sponsored by Absolute Mortgage, a division of Pinnacle Capital Mortgage Corporation. Now, in the studio, local mortgage and finance expert, Tina Mitchell.
1: Welcome back to The Money Hour with your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell, right here on 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, April 16th show. I bring into studio each week the best of the best experts in all arenas regarding your money right here in our local, Lamar- our local market. If you're hearing my show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast to talk with the guests that I have in studio or to have a little chat with me. You can give the show a call at one 855 411 Again, that's one 855 Four hundred eleven fifty, or online at the dot And right now, I'm going to have a conversation with Lori Way with Cold War Banker Bain, and we're talking about real estate contingencies. Lori, thank you so much for coming uh, back into studio and enjoy and joining me.
5: Thanks for having me, Tina. I really appreciate it. I think this. It's going to be a good subject for everybody. It's a little crazy out there it right now. It is
1: definitely going to be a great subject for any buyers out there and for sellers as well to understand kind of the uh, the strategies going on. And a little bit about Lori. In her 20th year of real estate in the greater Puget Sound area, assistant principal managing broker for Colder Banker Bain Lake Union office and is a previews international property specialty Specialist. Lori has been awarded President's Circle Award for being in the top 2% of Colder Banker Bain Agents International nationally quite, uh, quite a recognition, Lori. She does a Thanks. lot of business in our local market here. She loves to work with first-time homebuyers as well as market luxury waterfront homes. So you can tell she does a little bit of everything. And Lori, I'm just really excited about our topic here because as I talked in Money Chat, the craziness. Now, you know more than that because you're out in the world every day, uh, day in and day out dealing with this. And you came up with a great uh, topic to share with our listeners, which is real estate contingencies. So when purchasing a home, you've got your purchase and sell agreements has been signed between the buyer and the seller. And there are contingencies in the contract that uh, specifies cases that you can exit out. And these are contingencies. Um, can you talk a little bit about the the benefit for this, the buyer with these contingencies?
5: Well, the benefit for the buyer is the buyer is one that's usually taking the risk when purchasing a property. So these conditions, it could be depending on what the condition or contingency is, it allows them to be able to get out of the uh, contract and be able to obtain a refund on their earnest money. If they waive um, or have no conditions they lose that right and almost in every single contingency the last sentence is and you will not be able to get your earnest money back. So you have to be really careful hmm. about what contingencies you waive. So for instance um, because it's so crazy out there and we're getting 3, 5, 10, 22 offers on a home depending crazy. on what area it uh-huh. is um, I mean 20 is almost getting to be normal wow. now. It's really really nuts. So people, you know, buyers are starting to get a little too excited and starting to waive things. And I just think it's really important for people to know what the actual risk is in waiving or or not having certain contingencies in their offer.
1: So, Lori, we're going to get into the contingencies and break these down. But when it comes to earnest money, which you uh, mentioned, that money that's sitting in an uh, an escrow account, a trust account, which is money of of good faith deposit to the seller to ensure the buyer is going to actually move forward. And if they're waiving their contingencies, that earnest money is at risk. Um, what about increasing that earnest money? Does that have any impact in giving a higher earnest money and being able to, to hold on some of these contingencies, or does that strategy not work? Well, it
5: obviously depends upon the seller and the listing agent and, okay. and what the situation, each individual situation is. But you can, in order to seem stronger on an offer, uh-huh. you can offer usually it's between 3 and 5%. Now, that's in the more urban areas okay. as you start to get farther out um it it can get even down to a thousand dollars but um it's normally three to five percent if you put down five percent and every you know the other 19 offers put down three percent the seller may see that as a strength of your financial ability to be able to close that's what the seller and the listing agent are looking for above and beyond more money is your ability to close and so a five percent earnest money might um, might might indicate, that. yeah, might indicate that you're a little bit stronger financially.
1: Got it. So let's get into the contingencies, Lori. And uh, first, breaking it down with the inspection contingency. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, the inspection
5: contingency is probably the one that's being most talked about right now, mm-hmm. and there are people that are waiving their finan- or their uh, inspection contingency, and that really allows for the fact that if you give that up and you find a defect you you you've bought the house that's mm-hmm. it if you don't buy the house if after you've got under major acceptance and it's got a cracked foundation or something major, you either buy the house as is and Uh pay for that or you've lost your earnest money. Which again, if it's a
1: $500,000 home, that's $15,000. Yeah, it's crazy. Now what about, uh, there's a lot of talk going on about the pre-inspections. So how do you feel about that? Yeah,
5: pre-inspections, there's actually now two. Another one's kind of creeping up. Pre-inspections is when the buyer actually has an inspection prior to writing the offer. Currently, right now, people are putting their homes on the market and they're waiting for five to seven days to review offers yeah. so that every so that it can expose it to the, you know, the complete marketplace. Everybody has a chance. So they are taking those five to seven days to have what's called pre-inspections. And that's basically an inspection prior to writing the offer so that you can go in without an inspection contingency. Uh-huh. And that contingent, that makes it stronger to the seller because that's one way you can't get out of the offer. So, yes. again, it all comes back to will you be able to close kind of a thing. The other one that's kind of sneaking in right now is the sellers are actually having Mm. an inspection this Mm -hmm. is big on bainbridge island it has been for years but it's starting to to come over into our area where uh the sellers have an inspection and make that available to all buyers also same with the sewer scope where they're having a sewer scope and then sharing that with all the buyers so that the seller of the buyers can make up their mind whether they want to move forward without having to pay themselves for um for an inspection. Inspections are about $500. So if somebody's yeah. written three or four offers and had pre-inspections and the buyer's paid $500 a piece, you know, that's a couple thousand dollars. Exactly. And you and don't from even know are going to get the house.
1: From a seller's perspective, uh, the idea of not having all those inspectors in the home mm-hmm. can be appealing for them mm-hmm. uh, as well. Yep. So what about the appraisal? I know from being in the lending side of it, yeah. unless you're a cash buyer, you know, you have to get that appraisal. Um, so what are you seeing as far as the contingency for the appraisal? And how are people getting creative there, and what's the risk, Lori?
5: Okay, so this is a really scary one for me, and thank goodness none of my clients have wanted to do it. Getting an appraisal, so your lender sends out an independent appraiser, mm-hmm. and that appraiser goes in and appraises it under certain rules that they have to work under. If that, if say for instance you've um, bought a home for five hundred thousand, and the lender, I mean the appraisal comes in at four eighty, you have to if you've waive the appraisal inspection, you have to pay that extra $20,000 as yes, a buyer yeah. because the lender is only going to lend against what it's appraised for, not what you bought it mm-hmm. for. So there's a real risk there. And with people escalating, I mean, we have houses that are going for a hundred, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars 300000 over, for instance, on Queen Anne or mm-hmm. Magnolia. And all of a sudden, I mean, that's a bit. if you waive your, your appraisal yeah. and you've escalated that high, it may not
1: appraise and you've got you you've got money to, or you've got
5: to be ready with that extra hundred thousand
1: and I've, I've noticed and, and it's hard for the appraisers I mean everybody looks at the appraiser as the bad person when they don't come back with the value and sometimes the appraisal is not you know it, is not really fair because they're, for whatever reason, but a lot of times it, it would be, and it's just they're having a hard time because they can't come up with the comps to support it. So now I've seen a lot of buyers also kind of go in the middle of not completely waving. and again, like you mm-hmm. said, it depends on the market. I mean, if you've got a home with 20 offers, you got to waive everything, but what about that right in the middle? Something uh, that some people are doing is they're,
5: um, they're saying they're not waiving the appraisal, uh-huh. but they are saying we will pay the difference yep up to $50,000. Okay. Um, and so then if it comes in at 450, they'll pay the $50,000 to get it up to 500. Uh-huh. But if it comes in at 430, then hopefully the seller will negotiate with them. They'll come down the 20 and these guys will come up with the 50 and then it ends up at the right place.
1: Got it. Just for any of my listeners that might be new in the process, Lori, will mm-hmm. you give a quick difference between the inspection and the appraisal?
5: Yeah, and and it's funny because everybody gets it uh, confused the inspector is somebody that usually the buyer hires mm-hmm. and' it's, he's specifically for them and works for them um, the appraise and he finds the structural problems with Got the it. house and then um, the appraiser is somebody that's sent out by the lender and is completely independent and um, works on the value okay. of the home. Versus the defects of the home. Yep,
1: makes sense. So the the inspector is the detailed person of the condition of where it's at and where it's going, and the appraiser is about right now what's that home worth? Exactly. So Lori, let's get into something even a little scarier. If you're getting a mortgage which is the finance contingency. Yeah.
5: Um, Again, it's really a scary one. So some people, and I compete probably a couple times a week in offers that are Mm -hmm. multiple offers, and will actually waive the financing contingency, Uh even though they need those funds in order to close. And so um, what's happening is if... If you waive that, um, you have to first decide whether or not you're going to leave the appraisal less than sales price clause in there because that that you can actually separate out from the financing contingency. But um, the financing contingency, if for some reason something happens, if you lose a job, if somebody gets sick, if your company goes out of business, if the stock market crashes, whatever it happens to be, Through no fault of your own, Mm -hmm. you've lost your earnest money.
1: Yeah. So if you're listening, waiving your finance contingency, any of these things that we're talking about, the worst case scenario is you're out that earnest money. That's what you have to be prepared for. Now here I'm going to spin in because I do mortgages. That's what I do for my full time at time when I'm not here on uh, Saturday talking with you guys. Uh, Is the financing, you're not at risk as long as you follow the five critical pieces. And that's employment, income, assets, liability, and credit. No changes. Make sure you're confident there's going to be no changes here. But here's the little twist you got to put in there. You have to be working with an experienced mortgage professional that has actually done the due diligence for a complete pre-approval because statistically shows 30% of financing falls apart and you've got a pre-approval letter. It's not anything for you. It's just how that was reviewed incorrectly up front. Now, um, also on the finance contingency, just a little tip here that a lot of times people don't know. Finance contingency, when you waive that, that also means anything that happens within the contract. So here's my caution here is on the closing date you've got to make sure that you're working with a great team your realtor and your mortgage professional that if you're going in with a quick closing if that does not close within that contract date and you have waived your finance contingency you've got fifteen thousand dollars earnest me on the table the seller can make a choice if they want to extend that closing or if they want to take your fifteen thousand dollars and go take out that backup offer, so isn't that correct, Lori? That that that, a that key is correct. Piece of yeah. that finance continuity. that is correct. It's there's a lot of lenders out there that will
5: promise the world and not close on time. Yes. And that's the whole. That's the whole thing. Mm-hmm. You got to close on time. One thing I want to say is, usually it is the worst case scenario of uh-huh. losing your earnest money. But on the first page of the purchase and sale agreement, there's actually a, a place there called statute or statutory safe harbor. And so if you don't check the right check button on that, then you can not only use, you can either lose your earnest money, and that's it, Uh if you check one button, if you check the other box, they can either sue you for damages which damages in this kind of market could be quite high or they really? can force you to buy the legally force you to buy the home anyway oh my gosh so um, you so want to make sure you have to
1: understand you the contract you have to make sure yeah, yeah. statutory safe harbor okay yeah. so Lori let's get into um, the escalation clauses or the lack of best and final offer can you kind of talk about what's happening I love there? escalation clauses
5: so I think they're really fair for the buyer because uh-huh. in st- say you have a house for 500000 and um If they ask you just for your highest and best, which is not not normal, but it does happen, then all of a sudden you have to guess at what the highest is you want to go. And then you're worrying about, is it going to appraise? Because you don't know what the other buyers were offering. But if you have an escalator clause, you say, I'm going to offer $500,000 with $5,000 increments. Mm -hmm. I will pay $5,000 more than the highest offer up to whatever your magic little number is. That's a tough one to find. So then you're only $5,000 from the next highest offer. Uh And therefore, that's what market value is, is what people will pay for yes. a particular home. So it's much fair, much more fair to be able to do it that way, to do the escalator And make clause. sure you understand your
1: numbers. $5,000, you might be looking at $25 a month in the payment. So I understand yes. what those numbers are going to be. Lori, We're gonna. Uh, I'm going to run out of time yep. here with you, but I want to uh, really quickly talk about the lease back to seller is that what do you what do you think there well so what's happening now is sellers
5: the the markets really low in inventory because sellers are actually scared to sell because they don't have anything to yes. buy and so what's happening is people are starting to offer up to 60 days either free or with some kind of a rent back mm-hmm. so that they can close they can take their money and go wherever they're gonna go to buy they've got 60 days to do that 60 days is because of the yes, lender the requirement. and um, and then and and that's kind of a, a way to not pay extra for the house, but Mm -hmm. to make it easier for the seller to say yes to you because you're allowing him to go purchase somewhere else.
1: And I love that. It's all she said it right there, is uh, Lori, is it's the ease for the seller. So you may think small things don't make a difference, but you add up all those small things when the seller is looking at multiple offers and they can make all the difference in the world. Let them know they can leave all their junk in the house. You'll clean it up. Mm -hmm. I mean, just go down the list and and give them what they want to get uh, into this opportunity. Uh, (laughs) Lori, thank you so much for coming in and sharing the wealth of information that you have on everything real estate. Thank you so Uh, much. Appreciate it so much Appreciate it Coming up next on The Money Hour Would you like to have access to a rental pool for renting, inventory, uh, generating additional revenue Learn about a company that offers wholesale and trade buying center uh, and resale gallery To purchase or sell fine quality home furnishings And any realtors out there that do staging you got to stay tuned and listen to this Dave Wilson with Staging and Designing Network Right here on 1150 AM KKNW after this short break
0: It may be hard to believe, but people just like you are already saving money. FeedThePig.org makes it easy. Their simple savings plan teaches you how to start saving without going overboard. So you don't need to start foraging wild berries.
3: I was skeptical, but these are actually pretty good.
4: You don't
0: need to sell your soul to the devil. Fifteen bucks is the best I can do. You just need FeedThePig.org Don't get left behind Get tips and tools at FeedThePig.org Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council
5: When I was little, I didn't talk for a long time I liked things to always be the
1: same Anything new or different would scare and upset me I was very sensitive to lights and sounds It was almost like I had bigger eyes and ears than everyone else So I built secret hiding places where nothing could get in. I didn't like looking people in the eye. It made me feel uncomfortable. I'd throw big tantrums over little things like when my socks didn't match. Sometimes I'd do the same things over and over. Until one day, I found out I had autism. My family got me help. Slowly, I learned how to live with it better. You can see signs of autism in children as young as 18 months. Early intervention can make a lifetime of difference. Learn the signs at AutismSpeaks.org slash signs. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council.
3: My savings are gone.
1: Okay, where were they last?
3: Here, right before I spent them on the vacation to Aruba. Weird. Not weird.
1: Not saving now means no money later. For free ways to save, go to FeedThePig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council.
0: You're listening to The Money Hour with your host, Tina Mitchell, sponsored by Absolute Mortgage, a division of Pinnacle Capital Mortgage Corporation. Now in the studio, local mortgage and finance expert, Tina Mitchell.
1: Welcome back to The Money R with your host and mortgage expert, Tina Mitchell, right here on 1150 AM KKNW, the Saturday, April 16th show. Each week, week I share expert advice and inside knowledge on how today's events uh, can affect our local economy. If you're hearing my show at a different time or day, you are listening to a rebroadcast. You can call the show at one 855 400 1150 again, one 855 400 1150 or online at themoneyhour.com. Uh, you can talk to myself, your host, or I can get you connected with the uh, guests that I have in studio with me today. And right now we have Dave Wilson with staging and designing network, pulling resources by providing great pricing to members for home furnishing. What an amazing concept, Dave! It's the first time I've had a chance to talk with you. I've I've had a representation from the company before in studio, but excited to have you here. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks. Glad to be here. And a little bit about Dave. Dave has twenty years in the finance and operations in several high tech startup companies. He's worked from a cost seller in the early days. Spent time. Working as an auditor at an international CPA firm, um, recently joined Staging and Network Design Network as their CFO and COO. He also co-owns the PR agency On PR that is focused on consumer technology and enterprise software. Dave is also Seattle area native, a musician, married with four children, and serves on the board of the directors, helping Hands Ministries. International. Dave, again, thanks for taking time to come in and visit me in studio. Absolutely. And you guys are definitely doing some unique things over there at uh, Staging Design Networks. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about the company and what they offer?
3: Sure. Very simply, SDN is a network of home stagers who've combined their inventories together into one shared rental pool, allowing greater selection of products and the ability to rent to and from each other. Uh, We handle all the logistics of the staging process, both the physical movement and storage of the inventories, but also provide a state-of-the-art website that allows our members to effectively and efficiently select products, set up deliveries and de-stages, track their inventory. We do it all. We like to say SDN is an elegant marriage of brick-and-mortar logistics with exciting online marketplace technology.
1: Love it. And you guys have done a lot in our, our market here in a short period of time. It's pretty exciting to uh, mm-hmm. to watch the expansion. So home staging, let's talk about that and the importance of that, uh, especially in this market, Dave.
3: Yeah. Home staging is a, a growing trend within the real estate in, industry. And study after study shows that staged homes sell faster. Um, and they sell at a premium. There's a lot of surveys out there. We've, we've uh, looked at several that we use and cite in our business plan. Um, 79% faster sales according to a real estate uh, staging association survey. Um, 87% faster according to a survey by the International Association of Home Staging Professionals. And um, there's numerous studies out there that all point to this growing trend in, in the real estate industry. And while the statistics vary in terms of what the percentage premium or, or the faster selling times are. They all paint a compelling picture of the benefits of staging.
1: Yeah, and I've mentioned before on the show, if you're a seller, it's not about if your is gonna if you're gonna get an offer, because in this market, of course you're gonna get an offer. But the question is is what price are you gonna get? So you want to maximize that that price. So Dave, let's talk about a technology a product because I know you guys are doing some amazing things on the technology side with how you're putting all this together.
3: Yeah, our, our technology is really the secret sauce, we call it. Mm-hmm. Um, all of our inventory, our members' inventory is online. It comes into our rental pool. We professionally photograph it, barcode it, put it on our website. And the website is not only just the front end that the members use to select their products, but it tracks the movement of all the inventory tells us where things are at at any point in time. And, and the stager members can go online at any time, see where their items are at, which items are being rented, what the commissions are that they're earning on, on the rentals. Um, the physical movement of the inventory is all done via barcodes. Um, it's really slick. Um, any given order might have numerous o- owners. It, in fact, it does have numerous owners all all have to be tracked and reported. Um, for example, if a member orders 50 items to be delivered to a particular staging, that order could have 50 different owners of the product that went out. So mm-hmm. our system has to track all that and keep it keep it sorted. Um, <clears throat> this concept of a shared rental pool is, is kind of a new animal in technology, but we see it with um, like Airbnb where people are sharing yeah. homes. Uh, Uber people are sharing cars mm-hmm. um the concepts make sense and it's easy it's the mechanical Aspects behind it, the technology that has to well, like to you do said, it.
1: that's the uh, secret sauce. So, as yeah. a you know, a stager not having to uh, hold that inventory and have a place to where people are going to rent that inventory, I mean, it's just perfect. So, what other benefits are there for a home stager in being a member of SDN?
3: Good question. <clears throat> that's actually the part I like the most about staging and design networks. We solve a, a big business problem that home stagers run into, and that is the storage, movement, Mm -hmm. tracking, maintenance, all of the the logistics of owning that inventory. Most home stagers get into the business because they have an artistic flair. A lot of them are interior designers. And if you're good, you get more opportunity. With Mm -hmm. that opportunity comes growth. And with growth comes...
1: Nightmares. The the
3: nightmare. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And they may have started out with a couple houses worth of furniture stuffed in their garage, um, but now they need five times that to mm-hmm. keep up with their demand. And our founder Tricia Tomlinson—that's how she got into it. She yeah. was she was staging and um, could not keep up with the demand, and so she came up with the this idea. Brilliant idea! Yeah, of mm-hmm. let's let's share. Um, and so then that leads to well, how do you track once you start sharing? Um, we talked to a, a very successful local stager a few weeks ago who who shared how he, at one point in his growth, had eight storage facilities peppered around the city, and that's a perfect example of someone reaching a point where they have to decide, am I going to go all in and become a mm-hmm. warehouse inventory manager, or am I going to have someone else handle this? And our warehouse has 30-foot ceilings, wide aisles, bright lights, forklifts, you know. Yeah, was got, just gonna,
1: I was just going to ask, give us a, 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 an idea of what it, you know, what the design center and yeah, the back end is.
3: Yeah, so our design center is, is adjacent to our our warehouse, and so we allow people to come in there, and in the showroom, we have a lot of the furniture that we have mm-hmm. available to our members. We also have an interior designer on staff full-time, and she can help people with their staging projects. Um, if they want a custom-order fabric um, on a particular couch, we can do all that. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's pretty impressive. Um, the Design Center is a great vehicle for our members who have... Custom design opportunities where they need to tailor a project specifically to what their client wants.
1: And I have to say, you know, I've I've personally been there myself, and it's uh, the design center is beautiful, and I really like what you know uh, Trish is doing. Is she's really uh, she's breaking in everything now. You guys have some great educational lunch and learns for your stagers yep. to you know power up their business and um, just really building a community. I, I want to shift over because we've talked about the stagers. Roll tours can um, can also there there be a member renter member, and then they. Can can rent this for uh, less money. Let's talk about the consumer side mm-hmm. and the benefit for a consumer.
3: Yeah, uh, you don't have to be a stager to join Staging and Design Network. Mm-hmm. You can. Um, we have a lot of walk-in traffic every day. People come in, and um, if they want to join um, at the um, the level, it's uh, there's an annual. Membership fee they can become part kind of like of that. a costco it's like a Costco mm-hmm. you, to you become a member and then you have access to the favorable pricing as we've grown our our buying power gets better, so mm-hmm. we can often have furniture and, and accessories artwork you name it available at, at pretty good discounts yeah and,
1: and so w- we're talking about on the purchase side yep. yes uh-huh.
3: and one thing I like too about this this business model is someone can get into it with no capital outlay, yes. Sa- say somebody just got out of college with an interior design degree and they want to be a home stager, mm-hmm. they could join SDN and really um, start immediately and have yeah. access to thousands of pieces of furniture, start mm-hmm. staging homes right away. Yeah. And um, so it's a it's a neat business model. It's moment. pretty
1: exciting. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about expansion. Mm-hmm. What's happening uh, there?
3: We are definitely um, excited about expanding. We're making great traction. The company's only been in business about four years now, and we've experienced over a 70% consolidated annual growth rate, and we see that growth continuing. Um, We have plans to grow into 30 new markets over the next five years. There's Mm -hmm. there's really no limit we see to the demand that's out there, Mm -hmm. Um, and so we're we're hoping to to ride this yeah mm-hmm.
1: so Dave with opportunity there's always challenge uh, because there's always balance and everything so what are the challenges that you might be facing uh, with SDN
3: you know one of the big big challenges is is the the demand is cyclical as okay. you guys know the the housing market has ebbs and flows right now is a busy time our our uh, if you came to our warehouse today you'd see trucks our trucks leaving with full loads yeah. you know in the morning coming, coming and going coming back in the uh-huh. afternoon with these stages um during the over the christmas break we we had to actually bring in a couple container um units to put behind our warehouse to put some of the extra wow. stuff that's coming back uh-huh. but we have to be able to meet the demand that's the that's the hardest thing and um it's interesting uh, anecdotally we had uh The people from Paul McCartney's uh, tour, who's in town this weekend, call us. They wanted to have us stage... Uh, an area backstage wow. probably probably their green room and we had to actually turn it down because do we want to get oh the one God. day one night rental or do we want to yeah. have that inventory available for our people to, to take out on a job that might last So the three challenge weeks. is
1: having the inventory but also um, you know preparing ahead for when there is an adjustment in the market because there always is it's just a matter of Absolutely. Um, you know mm-hmm. when that time um, might come. So exp- uh, explain how you came to be a part of this amazing company.
3: You know, it, it was um, it was luck. My uh, next door neighbor runs the Seattle chapter of the Women's Presidents Organization, which Kay. is an organization for female-owned businesses, and um, they they meet and uh, share business problems and whatnot. And and Tricia belongs to that mm-hmm. group, and she uh, put that forward one day to the group that she was looking for a, a CFO. Mm-hmm. So.
1: And you're the guy. Fell lady. right
3: in my lap. That's yep.
1: awesome. So, what do you like best about the company? As I we wrap <clears throat> things up here,
3: I like the the fact that it's fast growth. You know, as you mentioned mm-hmm. up front, I I came out of those early macaw days, and it was just chaotic but controlled growth, and in. This feels like that in a lot of respects. We have so much opportunity. There's a lot of problems to solve along the way, but it's it's exciting.
1: Yeah. Well, you can't have excitement without having problems. Nope. Again, that's that's the uh, the balance of the uh, balance of life. Well, Dave, thank you so much for uh, joining me in studio. I appreciate it. Thanks it was for great to have me. a chance to meet you face to face and look forward to having to come back in again. Thank you. And thanks to all my guests. It was an amazing show as it is each week. This is your host and mortgage expert Tina Mitchell signing off for the day. I will be here same time same. Time place next week, right here on 1150 AM KKNW. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, everyone.
0: The preceding program is paid for by Absolute Mortgage, a division of Finance of America Mortgage, LLC, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS 1071, AZBK 0910184. Tina Mitchell, MLO 145420, is a licensed loan originator with Absolute Mortgage. Visit absoluteloans.com or call 888-90-HOMES for cost information.